Greetings, everyone. I'm excited to have Hauke Federson, VP of Operations and Interim VP of Finance at Pressy Taste on the show today. Hauke, welcome. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Yeah, great to have you. So let's kick this off. Tell us a little bit about your about your background, whether it's in SaaS or not. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Now, a bit of a different one. I think I'm in, I was an old school SaaS before. I was in charge of the service for 54,000 coffee deployments, professional coffee deployments all over Europe by Europe's largest roaster, Chibo. They had a professional um, restaurant and office coffee business where you rented the machine and um, had the service contract with it plus the um, coffee delivery. And um, I was in charge of the service aspect as well as the procurement of um, uh, said equipment and it is some form of a SaaS business because uh, you got something that was far more expensive than you would be willing for uh, to pay for it on the first day. Coffee machines, professional ones can go up to awards to $20,000 and uh, the second piece is it got better over time meaning that the solution delivery did not stop the day that you received the machine with the continuous service, et cetera. There was some sort of service brought, bring, brought in to make your um, piece better. And therefore, I see a lot of parallels to Presitaste right now. Um, we build vision AI solutions for the restaurant and the fast food industry, and those are being improved every week as well. With the SaaS fee, our customers buy those weekly deployments that make sure that our detection accuracy stays um, absolutely flawless and keeps on improving over the time of the project and uh, that additional features can be added at scale. Okay, well, interesting. So that coffee background, right? Renting those machines, uh, got to keep everyone caffeinated. So yeah, tell us a little got bit it. more about Preshi Taste and this AI uh, for restaurants and food service. If you can, like, tell us a little bit more about that a use case. How does that work exactly? With pleasure. Um, Presitaste is a bit odd, uh, a bit different from other emerging tech companies. First, we've been around for 10 years, and we've only raised capital for the first time this year. So we had our Series A beginning of January. And uh, since 10 years, we've been solely focused on vision AI for the food industry. We started in grocery retail, managing that little kitchen that is not so little, actually, in the supermarkets that makes all the fresh snacks and the baked goods utilizing Vision AI. And from there, uh, we moved on. And that's the time when I joined Presitaste and when I moved over uh, from Germany to Uni the United States, here to New York. Um, we managed the entire back of house in a professional QSR. QSR is quick service restaurant. The fast food industry, as some may call it, doesn't like to be called fast food because it's not the food that is fast. It's the service that is fast. And that comes from having inventory, fresh inventory, ready when the customer arrives and not a long time after they ordered it. So in the QSR sector, it's all about knowing what will happen next and having the right ingredients prepared. And that's why our system senses the demand we can do that either by looking at the drive-through, counting the cars, looking at the um, customers that are about to order, or we can see patterns in inventory depletion. We just see the levels going down. And that uh, tells us how the demand is. 
Then we look at the inventory side, the supply side. How many chicken nuggets are there? How many burger patties are there? How many French fries are there? Or how many of the, the, uh, the beans are in the pan? And by knowing demand and supply, put that together, you have the perfect production planning any second of the day. You look at the screen and it tells you, what do I need now to service upcoming demand to keep the QSR industry fast and to keep it fresh? Yeah, so that's interesting. Let's talk about that a little bit more. So say, you know, there's it's lunch, there's a big rush, cars going through the drive-through, people walking into the restaurant. So is it in that moment, real-time data analytics, as well as like, we'll talk like the supply chain, but tell us more about like, hey, that rush for lunch. Is it that type of real-time analytics? Absolutely. Um, we sense utilizing ordinary security cameras or 3D sensing in the restaurant. We sense the demand life and we just know right before lunch is the most boring um, part of the day. That's usually the slowest sale. And then all of a sudden that rush kicks in and you just see um, the, the demand going up to peak and uh, to have the inventory ready at this point so that the crew doesn't feel that they're running behind and can't service their customers fast enough. This, by the way, has real application. Everybody knows drive-through. If the drive-through is clocked, you just drive on to the next uh -huh. restaurant. So by helping the restaurants that employ our technology have the ingredients ready to make fresh food um, when the customer orders it, they're able to as they say in this industry, keep the wheels rolling and make sure that um, cars pass through the drive-through quickly and customers are satisfied, leading to more sales. So if I'm making hamburgers in that restaurant, is it more proactive where it's just before lunch hour and your system is telling me, hey, you've got to start preparing inventory because we're expecting that lunch rush? Exactly. So the, our system senses, what should I have now? What, what is my target inventory? And then it senses, and by the way, we have um, solutions that uh, go without sensing, that just um, from historic POS gauge the um, what should I have? What is my target inventory? The what to hold, what to have systems. And uh, then there is the next level that has um, vision AI integration that already knows I should have X, I only have Y. So the delta between those two variables is what I will ask the crew to, um, to prepare right now. And it has two huge advantages. One is if we're ramping up to peak, we catch that perfect moment to ramp up to make sure inventory is present. So our customers can service their customers quicker, the end customer. But also the second part, as sudden as the lunch rush starts, it ends. And catching that moment when you go into shoulder and when um, demand uh, starts to decline, catching that right results in a lot less food waste. Because otherwise, if you just keep firing at all cylinders, then um, you'll be stuck with too much inventory. Yep. Okay. I love that. And so is your revenue play, your pricing models, this hardware and subscription? Tell me a little bit more about that you know, with, the, with the sensors. Yes, we have uh, two versions there. One is the customer pays the hardware, the end customer in our um, industry, most often franchised, they pay the hardware. And uh, for that, they can use the software commitment free. 
Um, they uh, only have the initial part for the hardware, and um, we don't even make money on the hardware. The hardware is a necessity. It's not what drives our business, what drives our revenue. What we want is the subscription. What we want is the subscription for our services. There is the other way, of course, for the customer that prefers OPEX over CAPEX, um, where we um, put the CAPEX expense into the OPEX for the first uh, year, and therefore the customer has to sign a 12-month commitment to use the service, but um, for the very small, and we're talking edge AI here, so very, very small um, microcomputers on the edge doing the vision AI for us, um, it's usually between two and a half and $4,000 uh, for the installation. And as soon as that investment in the hardware has taken place, it's just the software and there is not even a subscription. We know that the customers will not want to ever go without it again. So tell me, so you're saying the customer can pay for hardware up front, but then the software is free? No, if, so, they, um, if they pay for the hardware, there is no commitment. Yeah, they oh, don't okay. have to sign a contract. Um, they can cancel anytime if they want to, because we know that the software uh, sells and that the software will um, be what brings the system to the next and next and next franchisee. I gotcha. So they pay for the hardware, then no commitment on the software, but they pay yeah. for the software subscription. Or Absolutely. you're saying if they don't want to really have that CapEx up front, you can kind of bundle that hardware into that subscription price so it's smoothed out. Exactly. You were about to throw me out of the SaaS podcast, right? When you heard <laughs> yeah. that software is free. <laughs> what? No software. Uh, <laughs> and how long does it take? Is this a quick install? If you, if you go into that hamburger place, is, is, how long does that install take for the hardware to get them up and running? I, very good question. I mentioned that we are somewhat different from other um, uh, uh, startups and emerging tech companies. And we know what we're good at and we know what others are better at. And therefore, we have an extensive network of partners that do those installations for us. For example, Frankie Food Services. They are a $2 billion business in installing restaurants professionally. Mm -hmm. They are one of our preferred partners to install the um, solution, um, especially here uh, in the UA and, uh, US and in, in Europe. Uh, and they integrate the hardware into the customer environment, which is They've built the kitchen in most mm -hmm. cases already. They're the perfect partner for this. And uh, therefore, we only have to worry about being a software company and um, making sure that the software keeps improving every month. Okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. So they already know like the, the tech makeup of these, these franchises, these stores, so they can really just go in and put it in pretty fast, then it sounds like. Absolutely. And at scale, meaning uh, something that we could not do um, with a still somewhat small team. They add the numbers to it. Um, and uh, if the customer wants uh, 100 locations opened up in one month, they can do that. Okay. Okay. Really interesting. So you said f the company was founded 10 years ago. So uh, what was that? 20, 2012? 2012. Yes. Okay. 2012 founded. And where is your company primarily located? Do you have an HQ? Our headquarters is here in QSR capital of the world uh, in the US, in New York. And, uh, but this is our smallest office. The, um, our tech headquarter is in uh, Munich, Germany. Um, somewhat of an IT offshoring play where um, we developed the technology very close to the uh, Technical University of Munich, which is just, just excellent and world-renowned in machine learning and, and artificial intelligence. And whenever you hear Vision AI, there is a lot of vision 
AI labeling involved. And therefore, we have a um, very strong team in India as well, our own team working on our customers' footage um, for uh, the entire UI development, front end, back end, and um, for the labeling. Okay, great. And then what about your team size? How many employees, uh, staff, contractors do you have? We've just uh, crossed the 100 FTE mark. So it's uh, 100 engineers. We're very, very lean on the non-functional side. Um, case in point, I'm wearing two hats right now. Um, our strengths comes from the developers, comes from those that are actually building the solution. Okay, so just cross the 100 FTE mark and you're saying most of those are engineers? Yes, 90% okay. are, uh, are uh, software developers that um, uh, build our solution. Okay, well. Uh, and then give us a sense for scale. Anything you can share around ARR range, revenue ranges, anything you can share there? The uh, ARR number is um, for an emerging tech company, not the, the, the best metric. I like the fact, and uh, we've been stable at this for quite a while, we are doubling our ARR every six months. We're growing. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult to develop those solutions up front. There is a lot of front-end um, development that needs to happen. But uh, as said, we're 100 FTE and uh, we've only ever raised capital um, beginning of the year for the first time. So we have a strong basis that has been funding this team for the previous 10 years. Okay. And tell us, so you, it sounds like you're going after franchises. So tell us about your go-to-market motion. Are these long sales cycles, short sales cycles? Who, who are you going after here to land these deals? Important point, we have um, two offerings, and that's at the core of uh, our strategy, the productization. We always start with um, somewhat bespoke solutions for the largest industries, for, uh, for the largest in the industry. Four mm -hmm. out of the six largest QSRs are utilizing our technology. They are um, investing in the um, platform adaptation into um, building parts of the solution. Um, but we as a SaaS business always retain ownership. And as soon as this is scaling and this is working for the largest in the industry, we are productizing it to make it available for smaller um, customers in the, in the industry. So somewhat the other way around. Usually you, you say with small fish, you catch big fish. With innovation projects, it's always, it's most valuable to the biggest in the industry. And that's why our projects have always started with the with the biggest, and at uh, a certain point, we're then breaking out modules and making those available to smaller restaurant chains. So that I can say, our largest customers have over thirty thousand restaurants all over the planet, and our smallest customer has thirty restaurants, but is growing. Okay. So the largest 30,000 restaurants, the smallest, say, 30 restaurants. And did you say you have four out of the six largest QSRs then? Four out of the six largest. We're very proud um, to call our customers. Unfortunately, not all of them are uh, public, but uh, just mm -hmm. a month ago, Chipotle um, announced at the Intel Innovation event that they are utilizing our technology. We were part of the keynote announcement with the CEO of uh, 
uh, Intel, Pat Gelsinger and Rio Teruvu, and um, they presented the technology that we've built live on stage, utilizing Vision AI for demand sensing, for inventory sensing, and for perfect production planning to create a seamless um, customer as well as crew experience. Uh, interesting. Well, next time I go to Chipotle or future Chipotle, I'll look for the sensors. But uh, definitely. Yeah, interesting. So you said you go after, you know, create these bespoke solutions for the largest QSRs and then productize that and then sell uh, more standard solutions into, you know, the smaller QSRs. And so is this outbound sales? Is it cold calling? Is it emailing? Tell us about that, that sales process to get these guys. Very good question. Uh, it's it's all of the above, but um, cold calling only when we really think this could be so applicable. Um, we, we find somebody that would just say, we have to reach them. Most of those are warm introductions through our network of partners. The um, uh, investment uh, in uh, the Series A that we had beginning of the year where we raised $24 million was led by... Um, uh, Melitas Ventures, uh, very well connected in the restaurant industry by Cleveland Avenue, that's the former CEO of McDonald's, and by Enlightened Hospitality Investments, um, where Danny Meyer, uh, another of the all-time restaurant greats, uh, the founder of Shake Shack, is a partner. So we have a very strong network for restaurants that are embracing innovation and are seeking for modern solutions to the more, very modern and very real problem problems that this industry is facing right now. Mm -hmm. And say I'm a, a smaller operator, say I've got 20 stores. I mean, what, what is it going to cost me? Can you just like the pricing? Am I going to pay $1,000 a year per store, 10,000? Like what, what's the, you know, any sort of value average selling price? Pricing starts at uh, $79 a month, and um, then we can layer on additional features. Our technology resides in the restaurant, so there is no, um, the, the cloud part is only for reporting and for updates, so all of it is offline first, meaning should there ever be an internet outage, it still works um, like it did before. The second it's connected again, it updates the reporting and it gets uh, um, maybe some, uh, some, some new features or some uh, better models. Okay, so yeah. entry-level pricing to make sure that this is true to our vision, helping food entrepreneurs grow their business of all sizes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And so you raised some capital this year. You've been in business for 10 years, so just raised a $24 million Series A. And what were the triggers or milestones that you saw in the business, right? You were operating for 10 years and then raise some money. So what was that trigger? What did you see that, that you said it was time to, to raise some outside capital? Exactly this productization. We have been able to show that the largest in the industry and have this piece of software that ingrains so much of their operational know-how, so much of what the largest and best run businesses in the world have spent decades developing for themselves. And the software takes a part of that and make sure that even if employees leave employee churn very real in this industry, uh -huh. that the know-how stays within the software. And therefore, there is a lot of know-how that um, can transcend beyond the original brand and that other smaller companies can profit from. And uh, being able to show the investors that that's the next step, going from we built this 
for the one brand you know and go to every day. But this piece, if we now add the sales team to it, can profit so many others. Total addressable market, just tremendous for these solutions. That is what led us to say, this is the next stage of the company. This is where we want to be. And we found the perfect partners, the dream team of partners to help us with this. Okay, perfect. And any, you know, raising $24 million, large sum, any lessons, tips and tricks for other uh, people listening on that journey to raising 24 million, any pain points or things that you look back where I wish I could have done that better, or I wish I'd known this prior to the raise. I've never raised capital before, not in any form, not a single dollar. And uh, it was a super exciting journey for me personally, as well for the company. We've learned a lot. And I would say some lessons is first, TAM over ARR, focus more on how large your business can become than to what you've achieved already. It's like you're drilling for oil. It's, it really only matters how large the bubble is that you're uh, you're drilling into. It doesn't matter how many drops of oil you found along the way. So you need to find partners that embrace that vision, that buy into that vision, and that um, want to assist you on that uh, that way. And the best problems to ask an investor are uh, to solve are problems to solve with money. So that's lesson number two. If you can formulate your problem into a with money, we can do this. And you ask somebody that says, I have money, then <laughs> there is a match made in heaven waiting. Um, another one for really talking to VCs, each VC has a bracket. It does make a, a lot of sense to find that out very early. If your VC that you're talking to right now can only write $10 million checks, don't think you can convince them to do a $500,000 check just for you. They've made commitments to their LPs. So being upfront about what you're looking for, being honest, and then having the conversation might result in you not getting that invest mm -hmm. or might not get result getting in that next call. But, and that is true for us, all of our four investors, four major investors came out of that first investor and recommendations, warm introductions. I know somebody that would be interested in this. Mm -hmm. That led to us being able to assemble the dream team. And therefore, I would recommend to each founder out there, to everyone raising capital, treat every of those meetings as an opportunity to either get an invest or to get the best recommendation to somebody whose bracket you might be fitting better. And um, with that, assemble your dream team. Don't stop. We could have stopped way earlier, raising half as much. We kept on going because we knew that we could make the round perfect and complete. Love it. Appreciate those tips, Alka. And so as we wrap up here, what's next for Prashi Taste? What's exciting? What's coming up uh, on the horizon? I love that we're now at the point where um, our previous productized solutions were um, digital solutions without vision. And we um, those are great. Those are established. They help how much to prep in the morning. They tell you how much to have uh, inventory-wise at each point of time. So there is a screen telling through, now you should have X amount of inventory where they can then uh, check for themselves, oh, I'm overshooting right now. I should pause production or I really need to um, uh, drop some fries, drop some nuggets. I need to have more right now because the system is telling me that the lunch rush will happen very, very soon. 
And now we're adding vision-based systems. The productized solutions for us are always not customized, no development needed to adapt them, only configuration. So we have configurable vision AI solutions for the masses, for restaurant chains of all sizes. And that I'm really bullish about, really, really excited about. That's great. Uh, so pretty exciting stuff coming up. And Halka, really appreciate you sharing your background, what Preshi Taste is doing, an amazing journey so far in 10 years. So if the listeners would like to learn more uh, about what you're doing, where can they find you online? PreciTaste.com, that's P-R-E-C-I, taste, as in taste, Pressy taste, um, or just follow us on LinkedIn. Okay. All We're right, very Halka. selective about yeah. our, uh, <laughs> our our online appearances, but it's uh, it will be um, for the foreseeable future a B2B play, and that's why uh, we don't have any other social media. Yeah, okay. So if you want to learn more, check out P-R-E-C-I-Taste.com to learn more. And Hauka, really appreciate your time today and sharing your story. Awesome. Thanks, Ben. Thanks a lot.